0: And welcome to the broadcast of Better Together, Democrats and Republicans Who Love America, episode 35. Well, we're definitely going to continue on from where we left off last episode um, from the news. There's just so much news that's coming in. And of course, it couldn't start the show without paying homage to the... Warriors, Warriors, Warriors. A kind of eerie chant <laughs> that kept going through my mind as I was at work just a few blocks away from Warriors Stadium actually. Downtown San Francisco, at Mission Bay, and um, completely clueless about the calendar. I mean, I had saw, saw the game um, in South Lake Tahoe, the the pregame with the game before today where they won over Boston. Um, and that was pretty great. But I didn't know we were so close to the end because I just can't keep up with basketball season. It's very long. Um, you know, I really admire people that can keep up with it. Um, it's just long. It's really long. I'm just, I have a lot going on. But I was thrilled to hear from my coworker, who was a really good fan strong fan that we did clinch it. No one was really watching it at work. Usually we have like dedicated rooms that have the screens on, but we were all, it just was a really busy shift. And, um, yeah, it was kind of a checkout time, but they were supposed to have fireworks right in our site, but then I'm glad they canceled. If that Or they just called it off because, yeah, it was too windy. We had our gale force winds, and, you know, that'll interfere with the chopper, with the fireworks. And we don't want an ember flying in our chopper and blowing up the helicopter, please, with the child. No, not a good plan. So thank you for not having the fireworks near the hospital with the children. We appreciate that. Um, There's other ways. So I was reading the news. I'm like, oh, oh, it's going to be interesting getting home tonight. (laughs) How am I going to get home? And Muni was like, message, 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 rerouting, rerouting. I'm like, I'm never going to get home. Never going to get home. And if I took a lift, it's traffic. And, you know, we are the city that sleeps. Did you not know San Francisco? We like our naps and we we like our turn in early. If you don't know that little-known secret, it's not like New York in that way. We're not a city that never sleeps. Uh, We like our—we go to bed at ten o'clock sharp at night. There is nothing open. Huge swaths of the city because people are tired and they're getting their good rest to get up early and work hard. It's a very ambitious city, but we love our sleep hygiene. Yeah, it's true. There's really only a few places like way downtown that are like reminiscent of a real city that way. I don't think a lot of people know that. So now you do. So there you have it. It's not going to change. Would it change a long time ago? No, we like our naps. Early to bed, early to rise makes you healthy, wealthy and wise. Quote from my grandmother, third-generation native. Anyway, so uh, tonight, though, it's wild. And when there's a game like celebration and you win a championship, all bets are off. So, yeah, the bars are, you know, hopping and the parties are flying and, yeah, the bus is full at all hours of the night. And so, you know, in those occasions, yes, people will stay up. Um, super happy, proud of them. You know, I was kind of reminiscing over my journey with the Warriors. I was really, really invested. Well, here's the thing. I have seen each of my city's teams, and I know Warriors is mostly Oakland, so don't think I don't know that, but, or respect that. But, you know, I've seen my teams slowly rise up to what I would consider dynasty level, over my lifespan. So as a kid, you know, the Niners really came to glory in the 80s. And I got to watch all those games. And I was like, really into it, really, like, intentional, and as a young child. And it was Joe Montana, Roger Craig, and um, Jerry Rice. And I mean, it was in the Walsh, like, I mean, and the coach after him, who I wasn't as thrilled with, I forget his name, George Seifer, was it? <clears throat> yeah, anyway, so. They went from underdog, as my grandfather always knew them as underdog, to dynasty level. Well, they went from underdog to legacy to dynasty. <coughs> and that was wonderful. So I got to see that, and my grandparents at least did get to see that, the diners. They never got to see the Giants rise up to dynasty, which is sad because my grandfather was a very faithful Giants fan my aunt, I think, did she? Yeah, she did. She got to see it. But yeah, um, my grandpa didn't get to see it, which I felt really bad, but he didn't get to, but the Giants. So then after the Niners, I kind of like got into the Giants, not right after, but I would say 2000. I am an authentic fan because it was the year that Panda was really becoming popular, and I really kind of like finally decided I need to go to a game, and they were not, they were still underdog, the San Francisco Giants, so I went to a game, and it was like this convergence of interesting personalities, and I'm like, I feel the energy is going in the dynasty direction, but we're not quite there yet, and we have Panda, and we had the beard, <laughs> we had- You know, all these legacy players. I wasn't a fan of Barry Bonds. No, because I remember Barry Bonds, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, and all the drug use. And I was like, this is bringing down the profession. Sorry, I know they donated a lot to charity, including ours, but no, not a fan of that. So it really turned me off baseball for actually quite a while. Just felt it was rigged and people were drugging up. And I was like, this is not, there's no integrity. Well, I felt like that got cleaned up, and Panda kind of brought me into the thing. And ironically, I actually knew the general man or assistant general manager, I should say at the time, Bobby Evans, because he was the deacon of my old church. I actually knew him pretty well. And then it was fun to see him involved, because um, I knew he'd be praying hard for the team. And then... They started to get some momentum, then became a legacy team, they won, and it was really exciting, and the Giants were really kind of coming into their era, <clears throat> and then, like, the trades and all these things occurred. Bobby was promoted to general manager, which was really exciting, and they were on a roll, and it really was, like, win after win after win, and it was just you when know, it's that momentum they they skyrocketed up to leg, to it leg, to uh, dynasty level, yeah. And so we got to see them really get into dynasty level, and that was really fun. And you know, then I kind of tapered off. Um, I liked Tim the pitcher. I forget his last name. Sorry. And I was like, well, what's left? Hmm, we have a really great football team. And we don't really right now, but in terms of like, once you reach that level, like, okay, you could have off years, off decades, but you're, you've arrived. I'm like, the Niners have arrived. I still have yet not to be at Levee Stadium. I have to go down there for at least one game. I've never done it. Um, I did go to Candlestick, though. Um, and then now there's Giants. So I'm like, hmm, Warriors.
1: Yeah. Why do we
0: suck at <laughs> basketball? Like, what is that? And... This was the year before they started to launch, and so what got my attention was the first year that Steph Curry and Steve Kerr, I believe, simultaneously joined, and you just felt like there was a shift. I felt like there was. I was like, I'm going to put my energy into this, and it seemed to be kind of just them, like at first. Now, Steve Kerr, I had forgotten. That he was one of the main players for the Bulls, Chicago Bulls. I mean, Air Jordan, like, in my high school days in the 90s. And so I was like, oh, he's already from, a, um, you know, a dynasty team, and he's the coach. I just thought he was a really decent person in the interviews. And I thought Steph Curry was a really decent person in the interviews. And I was like, wow, these two are like dynamos. They're going to take it to the next level. And then, so the Warriors went and oh, fluke. Oh well, just because of Steph Curry and you know, no one else. And I'm like, oh, Clay Thompson and Green. Other people started to kind of like be involved. Yeah, Steph is in. You know, Steph is one of those Michael Jordans. He's super talented, very consistent. You know, really, really gifted. You know, supernaturally gifted with basketball. Okay, but that alone can't win, it can be very influential for a team, but you have to have a team still. So, you know, once they won more than once, it wasn't a fluke. They said that about the Giants, though, too. Typically, who's they? Mostly the East Coasters, the East Coast teams. And, you know, I was like, no, I think they're on the up and up. And then when I heard that they were going to move the stadium to San Francisco, I was like, oh, (laughs) They're going to go far if that's happening. And this is before the place was built and everything. And I was like, oh, this is the vision, is it? Okay, well, then that's going to be a game changer for them. (laughs) Because now they will join the legacy team of, you know, teams of the Niners and the Giants. So, you know, hey, if you're coming over here, get ready. And they absolutely did. Yeah. And I think a lot of Oakland people were sad that they left. I mean, they were sad that the Raiders left too. Like Raiders left, went to Vegas, you know. But the A's were still there. A's are the next. Got my eyes on them. <clears throat> Got my eyes on the A's. A's were my original first favorite team from my little Concord, California summer reading program <laughs> to get a ticket to the A's versus Detroit Tigers first game ever. That park was so ratty. <laughs> it was so bad. 1986. <laughs> it was like. This is a bombed out stadium here. I need some work. <laughs> I don't think I'm coming back. But that was my first game. And that was my first team, the A's. Yeah. And then we all liked Jose Canseco. And then when all the drug stuff came out, I was like, oh. Oh. You know. Yeah. Well, anyway. So... Uh, <laughs> It's just so cool to see the the Warriors be so consistent, you know? So now we're at the point now, I'm going to read the news, don't worry, but I'm at the point where I'm like, is it a legacy team? Or are we almost to dynasty level? What makes the difference between underdog, legacy, dynasty? Um, I think it's a number of sequential championships. And we're getting close if we're... We're there. It says Warriors won the fourth championship in eight years. So four championships is, is I, I would say we're still legacy bordering on dynasty if we keep it going. You know, dynasty teams are the Bulls and the Celtics and the Knicks and you know, these real like established teams, the Lakers and you know, the household name teams, or the dynasty teams, right? And you know, it's just exciting to see that I think we are almost at the point where we're graduating out of legacy into dynasty if this keeps going. Um so yeah, everybody's excited. It's a unifier. Um so yeah, my next team that I have my eye on. All this is trackable too, like for my audio for my um my journals. Like I put my eye was on the team, and they suddenly, like, it all kind of, I'm a good manifester. It's not just me, of course. I'm just saying, like, I tune in to what's already brewing out there. And I'm like, yeah, rise on up, up to the top. So I'm, I'm waiting for the A's. You know, they have had their movie Moneyball. And I think they are next. I think they are next. So mark my words, Oakland Athletics, you were my first team. So the rest are all kind of getting there. Okay. Um, We'll just go over a little bit of sports. I thought I had more articles. Okay. Steph Curry collapsed to the ground in tears as the Warriors won a fourth championship in eight years. That's so great after winning three championships from 2014 to 2019. Golden State missed the postseason entirely the past two years. The injury stuck. Well, we're not going to go through the whole history, but still. Yeah, we had a little lag and then come back. It's great. NBA teams with the most championships after Warriors beat Celtics. I think what's important about this particular championship at the end N20- 20 the 2022 NBA finals is that we did win against the Boston Celtics, which is a key dynasty team. I mean, there's no debating, you know, the Celtics have been amazing for decades, consistent for decades. So that we beat them on their own turf, which enabled me to get home tonight. (laughs) said so thank you because there's no way if it was at Jay Center I would have had to sleep at the hospital and there's no way I would have been able to get I me mean, airlifted home like no it wasn't going to happen so um, there's a photo watch where fans take to the streets to celebrate NBA title so they had the big screen up at Chase Center a few blocks from where I work and the whole like lawn you can watch it which was clever and that was fun I'm going to just skim because we have got a lot to cover I want to get to the nitty gritty. Okay, so Steph won. Steph Curry won MVP, which is great. We're talking about abolishing the MVP. I don't know. That's a tradition. There's nothing wrong with an MVP. I think. Does everybody need a trophy? Come on. Come on. You know he deserves it. He's 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 just he's just art in motion to watch when he does those three pointers. Right? We all know. My drink of choice celebration, I was going to do champagne, but I decided to go for a good old-fashioned 1970s screwdriver, which is orange juice, well, my version, orange juice, seltzer water, and a shot of Seagram's Extra Dry Vodka, because it's so smooth, extra smooth vodka, not dry. So it's great. So I am having a celebration drink. But I figured the orange juice has the vitamin C to keep me energized, whereas like if I had the champagne, it might go, it might go in a wild direction by the time we get to China. But yeah, this is, a, this is a celebration night for sure. The bars are full. I'm sure a lot of business was made. This was great for the city you know and it's rare that we all get really happy cuz again the wind is freezing it's like torrential wind i mean it's like tornado winds so it's not that bad but it's bad it's gale force like and the weather really does affect you we have kind of crappy summers in terms of the weather but everything else is great but it's a great place to cool off people from texas love it here in the summer cuz they're like oh you have free air conditioning it's amazing and it is but, you know, like when we have a sports team win, everybody's just nice. You know, what a difference the bus ride was with all the Warriors fans on the bus. And I was just like, everybody's just like neighborly and, and nice and smiling. It's just lovely. You know, I wish we could capture that and have that every day. Instead, no, tomorrow, probably back to the darting eyes. <laughs> you know, it's like, let's just hold on to the Warriors juice here, Okay. Um, there's a book, San Francisco Chronicle book, Golden Revival, celebrates Warriors Championship season. That's nice. Editor from, from emerging for emerging products and audio, Sarah Feldberg. So there's a book, Golden Revival, if you want to buy it, maybe Amazon, I'm not going to read it. (laughs) What I am going to read is the parade details because I figured that would be helpful. What to know? Warriors Championship Parade. NBC Bay Area. NBC Bay Area staff yesterday. The parade. Monday coverage begins at nine thirty AM. Dub Nation, it's time for another parade. Come celebrate the Golden State Warriors' fourth title in eight seasons during a championship parade on Monday along Market Street in San Francisco. I'm gonna write that down. The parade will start at 11.20 a.m. at the intersection of Market and Main Streets. And the team said, the route will just be over a mile long. We'll wrap up at Market and Sixth. NBC Bay Area, NBC Sports Bay Area, and Telemundo 48 will all televise and also live stream the parade starting at 9.30. Bookmark the page. Come back watch our live stream right here. You can also visit, you can also Google, I'm sure, Roku, Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire to view the live stream. Maybe I'll just keep that in my file. Well, that's nice. What would be, I don't have like a URL to give you. But that's the deal, if you wanna watch it. Monday, 9.30 gathering, 11 a.m. 11.20 kickoff, is that right? Yeah, 11.20 a.m. kickoff. Okay, and so I would like to see, and I am looking forward to the future of the Oakland Athletics and their victory parade. Where? Fox Plaza, maybe, shall we say? I don't know. What's a good place in Oakland? Let's dream. Let's dream big. Because Oakland needs the boost, too, by the way. um, Fox Plaza. No, that's in San Francisco. What am I saying? Fox Theater. <laughs> that's what I meant to say. The Main Street, derp, derp, derp. There's a lot of options. Let's just visualize the Oakland Athletics and their victory parade to be. Okay? Okay. Let's go now to other news. I'm going to skim some of these things. Did I do this? Okay, that's fine. Um,. Oh, yeah, I wanted to talk about Juneteenth, but I wanted to talk about the origin and then also the Bay Area. So let's let's go through it. Juneteenth. I can definitely say growing up the majority of my life, I had never heard of Juneteenth. Maybe several years ago, I had started to hear about it, and then Biden has made it a federal holiday, which is wonderful. This is from Taste of Home What is Juneteenth by Melba Newsom yesterday. On June 19th, 1865, shortly after the end of the Civil War, Union troops arrived to take control of Galveston, Texas. This is where the remaining enslaved blacks in Texas finally learned of their freedom nearly three years after the Emancipation Proclamation. The day became a holiday known as Juneteenth, a portmanteau of June and nineteenth. I wonder what Galveston, Texas is gonna do for their celebration since they are the location of the city of this of this holiday. <clears throat> What is Juneteenth? Sometimes it's called Juneteenth Independence Day, Freedom Day, or Emancipation Day. Now, I have heard of Emancipation Day. The holiday celebrated on June 19th commemorates the emancipation of enslaved people in the U.S. It was first celebrated in Texas in 1872. Black ministers and businessmen in Houston purchased 10 acres of land, And created Emancipation Park for the annual Juneteenth gathering. I had no idea about this Texas history. Houston is very close to Galveston and Corpus Christi. On by the Gulf of Mexico. Over the years, Juneteenth continued to be celebrated in Texas and spread throughout the South. But the day is becoming increasingly well known across the country. Many state and local governments now recognize Juneteenth as an official holiday. In a way, that's like showing Texas has this progressive side to it, dare I say, right? Evidence says, how is Juneteenth celebrated? To commemorate Emancipation Day, friends and family gather to celebrate the legacy of resilience and acknowledge the ongoing struggle through marches, prayers, and other remembrances. During gatherings, participants often picnic with traditional soul food dishes, one of the nation's most identifiable culinary traditions or what I've heard to be called celebration foods. Um, What kind of food is served on Juneteenth? Today, soul food is associated with comfort food. But it was born out of struggle and necessity. Enslaved Africans turned meager, low-quality rations into delicious fried-boiled... Roasted and baked dishes. In the process, they preserved old food traditions and created new ones. Delving the history of soul food in Juneteenth is an exploration of black culture, values, and traditions. The Red Trinity barbecue, watermelon, red soda is at the heart of the meal. But no Juneteenth menu is complete without traditional side dishes and desserts like collard greens, potato salad, cornbread pudding, peach cobbler, and banana pudding. This traditional cooking is an ode to history and heritage, and perhaps no region has had more impact on America's culinary history than the South. Why is Juneteenth food red? Well, let's see if I'm right about this. According to the culinary historian and food writer, Michael Twitty, the popularity of red foods in the community might date back to the enslaved Yorba and Congo, who were brought over to Texas in the 19th century. Both cultures consider the color red as an embodiment of spiritual power and transformation. And enslavement narratives from Texas even contain stories of an African ancestor being lured using red flannel cloth. Okay, I thought it was going to be blood. I'm glad it was wrong. Historian Fred Opie theorizes that this could be traced back to Asante and Yoruba. Yoruba. Special occasion celebrations, which included offering up the blood of animals. Okay, I was kind of close. Especially the red blood of white birds and white goats to their ancestors and gods. There's also another theory. Namely, the color represents bloodshed. Okay, I'm right. (laughs) Okay. Linda Jackson Conyers, publisher of the Milwaukee Times, says... But the city signature Juneteenth strawberry soda and other red food symbolize the blood that was shed. Yeah, I was guessing that first. So, I mean, unfortunate, definitely. But, yes, to remembrance, to commemorate the remembrance of the suffering. Symbolize the blood (laughs) that was shed by the slaves. The best cookbooks for Juneteenth. To celebrate Juneteenth with traditional Southern food, here are the cookbooks we recommend adding to your collection. The Cooking Gene by Michael Twitty. The Taste of Country Cooking by Edna Lewis, with a foreword by Alice Waters. Taste of Country Cooking, 30th Anniversary of a Great Southern Classic. Sweet Home Cafe Cookbook, a celebration of African-American cooking. Soul, A Chef's Culinary Evolution, 150 Recipes. That looks really cool. These are good cookbooks. Okay, so that's what Juneteenth is. We appreciate the definitions. And I'm really surprised about the Galveston, Texas reference. So I hope Galveston goes all out and like coverage and talks about it and make it a thing because this is actually um, a progressive value. And I mean, it should be talked about and what we should all know this and we don't. So, but, you know, here's one thing that isn't talked about. There really wasn't like an instruction manual for how white Americans should and could celebrate Juneteenth. Um, you know, it's an awkward position, right? Regardless of your political spectrum. Um, I think it's un- I think it's unclear. Right. I think dialogue should be brought up with diversity, equity, inclusion groups all over the country to be like, this is how we, meaning black Americans, would appreciate you white Americans celebrating Juneteenth. I think we need some guidance. I think we need some instructions so that there isn't cultural appropriation going on out of ignorance or just no guidance, frankly. Um, And it's awkward, right? But so the conversation should be had. Let's see if we get a guidance here. Local news matters by no author. Juneteenth events around the Bay Area offer ways to celebrate black history and culture. San Francisco Mayor London Breed kicked off the Juneteenth holiday season this past Friday with announcements of a flag-raising ceremony at City Hall. Juneteenth is a federal holiday that commemorates when enslaved African Americans in Galveston, Texas were notified of their freedom in 1865. Biden made June 19th a federal holiday in 2021, but as Breed mentioned in her speech, people celebrated black culture and history on the date for years prior. Here's a snapshot of some upcoming public celebrations across the Bay Area this this year, San Francisco. Juneteenth Juneteenth Freedom Celebration, June 18th, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Just one second. Fillmore District, San Francisco. This celebration will span eight city blocks and feature community leaders, performers, vendors, fashion, free. Well, let me find the date. Come on. Okay, so that's tomorrow. Or, no, that's Saturday. Saturday, June 18th, 11 to 6 in the Fillmore District. I'm going to do that, I think. Sat, June 18th, 11 a.m. to 6, Fillmore. That sounds really fun. And free. Freedom Day at Mm. O A D June 18th, also Saturday, 11 to 6. Museum of the African Diaspora, 685 Mission Street in San Francisco. The Museum of African D- Diaspora will often free, offer free admission to their current exhibitions on Juneteenth. Free. I'm writing this down too. SF Blackwell celebra- Okay, SF Wall S F Black Wall Street Celebration, Sunday, June nineteenth, Gilman Park, San Francisco. The third annual Black Wall Street celebration will include food vendors, Black Millionaire Marketplace, live performances, amusement, park rides for our children all day. Free. Gilman Park Sunday. Marin County, Marin City, Juneteenth Festival. June 19th, Rocky Grand Park, 800 Drake Avenue. So, oh, they took out Sir Francis Drake. Okay, it used to be Sir Francis Drake. Almost, that's a totally different Drake. Rocky Grand Park, 800 Drake Avenue, Sausalito. Actually, that actually might be Drake, sorry. I'd heard a rumor that Marin was trying to get rid of Sir Francis Drake and change it. I just wonder if that's it. Marin City's 6th annual Juneteenth festival with kickoff with live music, food, local vendors. This year's theme is looking toward the future, free. That's a good theme. Juneteenth, Tiburon celebration, June 17th, 4 to 7, oh, that would have been today. No, yeah, that would have been today. 4 to 7, well, it's over, never mind. Okay, Mill Valley Freedom Festival, Sunday, June 19th, 11 to 3, Mill Valley Downtown Plaza, 87th Rockmore, Throckmorton Avenue, Throckmorton Avenue, Mill Valley. This inaugural event will celebrate Juneteenth with poetry, love, music, storytelling, family-friendly games, free. What about Oakland area? Alameda County, Oakland's Juneteenth Festival, June 18th, 19th, 11 to 8, Lake Merritt Amphitheater. The 10th annual Pan African Wellness Fest on June 18th will showcase meditation, mental health resources, yoga, tai chi, self defense, spoken word interactions at installations, and more. On the 19th, party with some of the Bay's most popular DJs. Tickets are $5. Berkeley Juneteenth Festival, June 19th, 11 to 7. Adeline Street at Alcatraz Avenue, 35th Avenue. Berkeley Juneteenth Festival is a focus on the family fun and entertainment. With live music from several jazz performers, including Nate the Soul Singer. Free. Cool. Fallen Heroes, Rising Stars, Juneteenth through Dance, June twenty-fifth, six p.m. to seven thirty p.m. Virtual Live Stream, The Grown Woman Dance Collective of Oakland will have their annual dance performance celebrating strength, resilience, and joy. This year's virtual showcase will be live streamed and is free to watch. Free. Hayward Outdoor Fitness Festival. June 18th, 10 to 1, Hayward Heritage Plaza, Yoga Dance and Workout Sessions, with a headline of second annual Hayward Juneteenth celebration that will take form of a wellness festival free. Livermore Valley Arts celebrates Juneteenth. June 18th through 19th, Bankhead Theater and Plaza Livermore. On June 18th, radio personality and comedian Faith Alper will speak about the state of racial justice today. On June 19th, Livermore Valley Arts with the Tri-Valley for Black Lives, we'll host a Juneteenth Festival in Bankhead Plaza, free. What about the South Bay? Juneteenth and the Streets Festival through June 18th. San Jose, the week-long event, Cold with Street Festival, June 18th, complete with local food vendors, artists, musicians, businesses, community services, Tamar Brockson, will headline, free. Juneteenth at the Children's Discovery Museum, June 19th, 9.30 to 4.30, 180, Wazway San Jose, the Children's Discovery Museum with partner, Silicon Valley African Film Festival show animated shorts, host drumming workshops, and drum make classes for kids, $15. Sonoma County, Sonoma County, Juneteenth, June 18th, 10 to 6, Martin Luther King Drive, Memorial Park, um, Martin Luther King Memorial Park, 1671 Hendley Street, Santa Rosa, Join Sonoma County's 52nd Annual MLK Juneteenth Community Festival with live entertainment, food, and games. Wow, Santa Rosa has a 52nd Annual MLK Juneteenth Festival. That's pretty impressive. Juneteenth Remembrance Project, June 18th, 2-4, Sonoma Community Center, 276 East Napa Street, Sonoma. The Remembrance Project is a community art project creating activist art banners for social justice. Participants in Juneteenth workshop will design quilts. Highlight issue plaguing local or larger communities. three Hillsburg Jazz Festival June 19th, 11 to 4. Hillsburg Plaza, Hillsburg. Performances will encompass a wide range of black music and art, including gospel, early blues, and New Orleans jazz. Funk, r b Spoken Word, and Modern Swing Music. The festival also includes educational programs, Krause, for kids free. Contra Costa County, City of Richmond, Juneteenth Parade and Festival, June 18th, 10 to 6, Booker T. Anderson Center, Richmond. This year will be Richmond's first in-person Juneteenth Festival since June, since 2019. The parade will start at 10 at the Booker T. Anderson Center and the end at Nickel Park where a food festival and live music awaits free. Juneteenth, Proud to Be, part Partner Painting. June 19th, 630 to 930, 548 Contra Costa Boulevard, Pleasant Hill. Celebrate Juneteenth, the night of painting, led by instructors with Painting with a Twist. The whole family's welcome, 42. Um, Solano County, Vallejo's 32nd Annual. 32nd Annual. Juneteenth Celebration, June 18th, 11 to four. Martin Luther King Park in Vallejo. Vallejo's festival features 75 to 100 exhibitors and expects hundreds of visitors to come out, enjoy vendors selling merchandise and food, activities for children, and live entertainment free. Wow, that's a lot of ways to celebrate Juneteenth. You know, I guess we'll just, I mean, I would go to several things. I do think like other than like festival and attending an event or concert or whatever is going on for like an organized event, it is still needed to kind of explain how white people should celebrate Juneteenth in a way that black people appreciate. Now, these are gross generalities, but I only say this because of the history of cultural appropriation, for one, that still happens. You know, and also because of Black Lives Matter and how that got resurged in 2020 and white people's well-meaning, yet maybe more narcissistic involvement of making it more about them in the show than actually supporting people that were of color that have black businesses and such, um, and being told, like, uh, eh, not your fight, not your march. We're not really wanting you here. It's awkward. Even Deschapel made jokes about it in his comedy sketch show on Netflix. And, you know, then, you know, a lot of white people who are liberals, mostly, not all, I mean, I'm sure Republicans too, but felt kind of disenfranchised and stumbling and bumbling and not, re- okay, well then how do we, well, how you do it is, Then, you know, support black businesses. That was the directive. I don't know if that was followed up on, but that was the redirective. So I feel in issues of race like this, BIPOC needs, and that encompasses more than black. BIPOC is like everything that doesn't appear as white, um, needs to give like really clear instructions. This is what we would appreciate and how you would want to show respect to us. This is how we would appreciate in you celebrating this holiday. Now, of course, there's going to be diverse opinions on BIPOC side. Not everybody on BIPOC is going to be consensus 100%, but probably there'll be a majority of agreement. And I think without that, it's going to be this kind of clumsy encounter or a low engagement, you know, um, or just festivals or just events. But what about, you know, for people who are not able to go to festivals or events, but want to celebrate it, and they they happen to be light skinned, and how do they how do they do that? You know, is it what would be you know direction is needed? It's great that we made it a federal holiday, Biden did, um, but more 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 guidance needed so that that doesn't backfire again into irritation, you know, from black people. So, you know, I think this is just all about communication and being clear and being bold, not being overly nervous and not being overly cautious and getting it said and, yeah. Um, And support black businesses, right? That still stands. I updated the new directory of all that for my workplace. Okay, so we talked about all that. That was a lot of the show already. Um, we're going to hit everything, so even if I have to do a few different hours and different parts to cover it all, because I just need to, like, I need to dump all this and download. So let's talk about the polar opposite of Juneteenth, which is you know it the Confederacy. Ah, brother. The Confederacy. The the Confederate legacy Republicans. I say legacy because they're the descendants that keep it going. And won't ever stop. And I think that really has to be understood. This isn't like a time heals all. No. It's staying. It's never leaving. That's just... I feel in the mind... I'm not a Southerner. I have no Southern relatives. But I feel in the mind of a Southerner who comes from a Confederate legacy family. Their perception of being an American is a Confederate legacy. And maybe not all, but maybe a lot. And for them, giving up the Confederate legacy is equivalent to being um, an expat. In their view. And of course... What's harmful is that in in the inability to move forward um, from the Civil War, which let's face it, there is a real inability to move forward. I mean probably Southern psychologists could sit and – or Southern psychiatrists can sit and explain it a lot better than me um, into what is all involved, honor, family, loy- loyalty, loyalty. Um, Fear of disrespecting elders who have passed on, I mean, list goes on, even if what those elders stood for was oppression, right, and slavery and murder and awful things it It hasn't changed. Um, so let's read this story. This is a raw story, no author yesterday fed-up councilman resigns in protest after Georgia's store that sells KKK and Confederate memorabilia reopens. By, oh, by Sky Palma. So they have an author. A Georgia Civil War and Confederate memorabilia shop that closed down after the owner died had been re, has been reopened, WSB-TV reports. The reopening has prompted a local city councilman to resign and a local business owners to relocate. And a local business center to relocate. Wildman Civil War Surplus, which sells KKK merchandise and has a Confederate museum, is now being managed by Marjorie Lyon, who said that the store has an array of relics, artifacts, reference materials, it's not just on the Klan, it's not just on the Confederacy. Tennessee City Councilman James Doc Eaton got so fed up with the reopening that he resigned from his position, according to Fox 5 Atlanta. They did it legal, but there was one main component they left out, the moral component. In this day and time, it's just not acceptable, said Eaton. Mm. The WSB points out a number of items in the store depict black people in a derogatory way, including balls of African hair placed next to a box of pit cotton, items that Lyon said are just a joke in regards to the other items in the store. Lyon said they're just part of history. Krish Chris Welsh, who's the owner of Eaton Chiropractic in Kennesaw, disagrees. My husband always says that if there were a strip club, they would be handling this. What is it in that building is more despicable than what would happen in a strip club. It's disgusting, Welsh said. If that business is going to stay, in my heart, I can't have spend 20 years on that corner, said Welsh. The city manager of Kennesaw, Dr. Jeffrey Drobney, said he has taken precise steps to ensure that this business complied with all city codes and Orton says every step of the way we treat all businesses the same we don't advocate for a business or do we denigrate a business they're all legally entitled to have a business license and to be open and operational and that's how we view it we do not take sides well I mean this is kind of the idea but it's obviously needs evolving and some reshaping um my 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 view about this, and I've watched Gone with the Wind countless times, and I've talked to Southerners, and I've talked to white Southerners, Southerners of white Confederate legacy, and I've talked to Black Southerners, by the way, of Black Confederate, not of Confederate legacy, but Black. Um, Descendants of the South who are just as proud to be from the South, despite the heritage, despite the slavery, despite, and that always is such a fascinating part of this because I'm from the West. All my family's from the West, all from San Francisco, and or, you know, other countries that try and move here. So I don't, you know, I'm on the outside looking across the country trying to figure this out, right? And I always was so curious. To talk, I've met enough Black Southerners who um, are equally as proud to be from the South, (laughs) despite the fact that they were oppressed. Despite the fact, you know, that from a Western point of view, it would be like, well, wouldn't you want to run for the hills and get out of there as quick as possible and move anywhere else but there? And you'd be surprised that a lot of people are so attached to their own family lineage and struggles and overcoming obstacles and history. And no, they're like, this is my home. I'm not leaving. I don't care. KKK. I don't care all this stuff. This is my home. This is my family's home. We're not going. And there's something beautiful in that type of, um, we're not going to be kicked off our land, I guess is what I would call it. So it's always so perplexing to me, this issue. Um, And probably some can't wait to leave and never look back. But a lot are proud to be there. So, I mean, come on, folks. It's 2022. It's been hundreds and hundreds of years. And, you know, every new generation, there's a whole new level of Confederate legacy descendants. That it's not going to change. So my view is like, because I'm a, I'm a central dem, it's not going to change. You know, wisdom to know the difference between what you can and cannot change, the serenity prayer, that is not going to change. So all you can do is reframe it and go, okay, you like your monuments, you like your confederate flags, you like these symbols and icons of your ancestors that remind you and make you feel close to your family, even though they represent horrific, you know horrific evils. Where do these things belong? They are American history. Everyone can agree on that. They are American history. Dark American history, you know, um, a divided American history, but they are American history. There is no doubt. So would you not put these things in a museum? Is not a museum or a museum franchise. Ideally federally sponsored. And also state-sponsored. You know, similar to that, as I was saying, I might have talked on this before, as the Holocaust museums that are all over the world, of which feature, sure, the Jews and many other groups in very derogatory, awful, victimized positions as well compared to the Nazis. But the the bottom line is... The Jews take it as, this is a story. This is part of our story. This is our heritage. This is our lineage. We're not going to edit it out. We're not going to make it look pretty. We're not going to pretend it wasn't there. We're going to show it in all its rawness. And I've been to several Holocaust museums. And it's powerful, and it's educational, and it needs to be shown, and it needs to be supported. And the Jews understand this. And for some reason, that parallel between the Holocaust museums, between the Nazis and the Jews, all over the world isn't translating over to our country with the issue of the Civil War and um, the slaves and the Native Americans, by the way, too, that were involved and the, the white plantation owners, right? And these, what I would say, confederates and confederate legacy families. They're not getting the parallel. And who is they? I mean, maybe both, I don't know that it's been talked about enough. But the attitude has been, well, let's just take down all of these Confederate flags. Let's just take down all of these monuments because they lost. And it's inappropriate to have this stuff up in the parks and on courthouses. And agreed. Yeah, they don't belong at parks. They don't belong in courthouses. Um, but they do belong somewhere because it is part of American history. However you like it or hate it. Um, and I, I have said this before, I hope it will happen. You know, I think there should be an entire chain of properly well educated historians from the South that cultivate um, a museum chain all over the South of all the historical sites, working along, white and black, working alongside to tell the story. To tell the story of the blacks, to tell the story of the white plantation owners, to tell the story of the Native American tribes of those regions, by the way. Don't forget them. Um, And everybody's story needs to be told. And when everybody's story is told, in the context of the safety of a museum or its history, then everybody is honored. And what is the South often trying to always promote? The honor, their own honor. Now, their honor could be a totally different moral compass than other people's, but honor is what they understand in their own mind about carrying on honor with their families, but they don't have an outlet. So random KKK events and hate groups, no. Um, Civil War museums, of which KKK is featured as an exhibit in terms of the clothing or the paraphernalia, yeah, it would be equivalent to a Holocaust museum that features swastikas. If you don't agree, go to a Holocaust museum, I dare you. You're going to see a ton of, you know, outrageous, derogatory, everything. But the point is, that's the point. That's the point. That is the point. Not forget. Keep it in your mind. Keep it in the forefront of your mind. Learn from it. This is a story. It needs to be told. So I just would like that same metaphor. Maybe the Jews can help. I don't know. Facilitate this. I really think it's the answer to this Southern strife. I also think it would honor the Southern blacks to give them funding and a proper platform to tell their story of survivorship and their photos and their documents and artifacts and everything, right alongside plantation owners and their descendants, right alongside Native American tribes of the regions. and the South is vast. so. And what would this all do? Create a huge history museum tour that the rest of the country would patronize and visit and learn and become educated and talk and dialogue and hopefully race relations improve and fund, you know, the South is still um, not that wealthy, fund, you know, and still honor everybody. Does that gonna mean it's gonna be one kumbaya and there won't be any hate groups? No, but it will mean that there is now a healthy place to discuss these really intense, brutal chapters of American history, right? There can be talks, there can be events, there can be art, there can be poetry, there can be, you know, speakers of descendants of slave owners and slaves and everything. I just see it just being this amazing idea that obviously the Holocaust Museum people understand and have put into action. And, you know, we just I don't know if it's my party on the left just wants to like shut it down, shut it down. We don't want to see it. We don't want to hear it. We can't deal with it. Well, you have to know your past to know your future. That's a common thing I hear black people say to other blacks who don't want to hear it, don't want to see it feel bad. I don't want to feel bad. Well, you have to know your past to know your future. And everybody's story is worthy to be told. In a context that has boundaries and ethics and rules you know? And no, I don't. I mean, I, I, at the Holocaust Museum, it's not like you can go purchase swastikas so then you like wear it on your pin on your way out. No! But you could purchase a book, you know? You could purchase some sort of proper, you know, item that is not going to be viewed as a hate symbol, right? So that's where this article is failing because they're actually selling KKK merchandise. Okay, the Confederate Museum, I don't have a problem with that. Managed by Marjorie Lyon. You know, so they're getting closer, array of relics, artifacts, reference material. You know, it's not just the Klan, it's not just the Confederacy, it's the South, it's everything. Okay, but they need guidance, because respect can get lost, can it? Maybe Kamala Harris can take this up. Maybe this can be one of her projects. You know, but I just feel like it's this is never going away. This burning desire to carry on, to carry on. It's just in my sense of my, and I have no relatives, so I don't really know, but it's just in my gut that those southerners, it could be 500 years from now, those flags are going to fly, those stories are going to be told. They're going to just keep doing it maybe in some way it's their way of keeping their ancestors you know saving face from losing the war i don't know really all the reasons you know but i do know that if it hasn't changed by now it's not going to change and just trying to snuff it out and i'm saying this to the far left now just trying to snuff it out and see no evil hear no evil i don't want to be that's not working Shutting it down, knocking it down, graffitiing the stuff. Okay, we do need to remove those things out of public parks. They do need to be relocated in proper museums with a historical context. Yes, or people that want to auction it off, and if they want to have it in their private homes as their own private museum collection, I mean, I don't. And if it's in their both behind closed doors and their own walls, I mean, I don't know that I have a problem with that, but. What we haven't found is the solution thus far and what we think the solution is is just remove everything like blot it out like it never happened well sorry north that's not really working sorry west that's not really working sorry Alaska and Hawaii that's not really working the south is a unique place with a diverse population of many cultures and I think my idea will work and I think everyone could be honored in it. And it can be a basis for learning. And especially if you have your Ancestry.com right there and you connect the dots and people have an option to like see who they could be connected with online or genetically or whatever. That might be very interesting. Um, so there needs to be, in Kennesaw City, um, some sort of You know, not just following the rules and not just following the city codes. There needs to be some thoughtfulness. There needs to be some consideration. And I really think it just needs to be equally represented with Native Americans of the tribes of the regions. You know, plantation people. I don't know what to call you. Confederate white people. And black American Southerners who are proud and who are not moving. (laughs) Who could move. Who are not moving. Because they're happy and that's their home and that's their place and that's it. You know, and you have to admire sometimes the grit. Okay. I'm really passionate about this because I care about this country. And it has a monstrous past. It's not glorious. But it's also promising. And I look at all of it. The darkest of the dark. You know, and I hate to use like dark light comparisons. But like the most amount of, I'm just, that was my 90s the um, the worst of our country and the best of our country, right? And the best of a country doesn't mean a country doesn't have zero flaws or zero mistakes on the record. It means you're striving toward betterment. You're striving toward evolution. You're striving toward more equality, more perfect union for everybody, not just for white people. Um, so I'm passionate about it, even though I have nothing to do with South. Barely have even been there yet. I would like to go there and actually visit these museums and see it all played out. Because, of course, they have the Civil War reenactments. Yes, but what about the museums in addition to those? And with the merchandise that's sold, be history books and things that are not going to be propagating hate. We have to be very thoughtful. So there needs to be some oversight. Well, we're almost at the end of the hour here. So we're going to continue to talk. I'm going to do another episode now because I'm limited to an hour on this. I've got a lot to cover and um, I just hope this idea launches. I would send money to help fund it because I do want repairing going on between the South and the North, even if it doesn't look anything like it ever did. There still needs to be something. And I think if the Southerners feel honored of all colors there, that is the key to healing, folks. Deep down in my guts, I believe it. Honor. Like Ashley Wilkes said, okay.